Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. So one of the things that's really, I think, widely known in the food space is that food is a backseat issue at FDA. It's something people joke about inside and outside FDA. This is Politico Dispatch. I'm Carlos Prieto, in for Annie Reese, and today... My name is Helena Bottomiller-Evich. I'm a senior food and agriculture reporter at Politico. Helena Bottomiller-Evich, with an investigation into the FDA's broken food division. So in the lead of the story, I describe an E. coli outbreak tied to spinach. Five people reported eating spinach in the week before they got sick. By the time FDA figured out what was making people sick, it was too late. Customers are encouraged to throw that spinach away if you still have it or return it to the store. So there was no recall. And this is actually really common with fresh produce. I think consumers have this expectation of FDA as being, you know, inspecting food plants really regularly and really being on all these nutrition issues. And people who are actually in food policy world know that that's just not the case. It's Monday, April 11th. So, Helena, what is the kind of oversight that the FDA is falling behind on? There's so many issues that have languished at FDA. So this story really focuses on three primary issues. The first is setting water standards for produce, so for growing fresh produce. And the water standard was something that Congress asked FDA to do 11 years ago. And essentially, the aim is to try to keep deadly pathogens like E. coli out of the water used to grow fresh produce. So when you think about, you know, we, we see romaine lettuce recalls and outbreaks with frequency. When you see a spinach outbreak, uh, the water standard was supposed to help prevent those things from happening. And it has been 11 years since that law was passed. FDA still does not have a water standard in place. We had four outbreaks tied to leafy greens just in December alone. Some of them were deadly, and it just keeps happening. And the FDA has really taken a very, very long time to address this. The other one we look at is heavy metals in baby food. A new congressional report released today finds some popular baby foods contain high levels of toxic heavy metals. In early 2021, there was a congressional report that looked at company records and company practices and test results and found that, you know, there were concerning levels of heavy metals like arsenic and lead and cadmium in baby foods. Most of these metals are what we call neurotoxins. Even tiny amounts can impede a child's IQ, hinder brain development, lead to behavioral problems, perhaps increase cancer risk and raise the chances of many other diseases. This was a common issue and the FDA by and large hasn't set standards for baby food. The FDA doesn't have standards for arsenic in baby food except for rice cereals. They had to have a lot of external pressure to even set a timeline for setting standards. Um, And then another issue we looked at was trying to cut sodium. So public health agencies have been trying to get the food industry to reduce sodium. It's something that FDA has been working on for about a decade, and they were setting goals for the food industry. So not mandatory limits, but targets across a lot of food categories. Mm -hmm. And those 
were something they were asked to do in 2010, and they finally set short-term goals in 2021 that take effect in 2024. So it's just kind of looking at these timelines and how long they take. Why is that the case? Is this an issue of underfunding or, you know, the standards for safety for food not being a priority enough for the White House? Is it leadership inside the agency? What's happening inside that's, that's prompting this? Yeah, there are so many problems that contribute to this failure. I think the first one is that FDA is beneath the Health and Human Services Department. So, you know, they're lower in the actual structure of the government. Um, Mm -hmm. And then often, you know, the FDA commissioner comes in to lead FDA without any background or interest in food policy. And if you think about it, this makes sense because a lot of people don't spend their career both in food and drugs. That would be sort of an interesting combination. So there's that problem. Then you look at the food division and there's some real structural and cultural problems within the food division of FDA. And I really unpack those in this story. Then on top of that, you have the political problems. You know, uh, we had a former commissioner in here describe that food issues often spark really strong, like political pushback. And the food industry often will go to Capitol Hill and push back on whatever FDA is trying to do in a way that they do not do on the drug side. And I think that's a really interesting point to make here, that food policies can spark, you know, a lot more political pushback than other policies that FDA is trying to tackle There's also the fact that Congress doesn't really hold FDA accountable on the food side. Uh, We have a new commissioner at FDA, Robert Califf, and when he did his confirmation hearing before the Senate Health Committee, he got one question on food. Wow. One question in his confirmation hearing, and it was about whether or not the FDA was going to crack down on almond milk labeling. Wait, wait. I, I'm curious because that is remarkable. I wonder, like, was it partly that the pandemic and the drug aspect and vaccines took really the front seat during these hearings? Or is it, from your perspective, is it also that they just really ignore that there's bigger issues than, than almond milk in food policy? I think the pandemic was definitely part of it. I mean, there has been a totally understandable focus on vaccines and treatments and testing and all these emergency authorizations. But I also think it's that, you know, the staff themselves on the Hill who work on FDA issues probably also tend to work on like drugs or tobacco or these other issues. And they might not also have the food side in their portfolio. So there's just like a lot of layers to this. There's a lot of reasons why food can fall through the cracks. I think Congress's oversight role in general has been eroding. I think for food, it's been particularly um, egregious. The other part that you were talking about earlier was the fight that the FDA has to even gauge whether or not it wants to pick up with the food industry. Is is this part of the problem? Is the food industry just too powerful for, for the FDA to take on? I think part of it is the political challenge generally of moving policies forward. I mean, it is not easy to move um, anything controversial forward in Washington, you know, regardless of what the sector is, especially if it's a regulation or in the case of sodium, a guidance. So it's voluntary, but taken very seriously. You know, when a federal agency sets goals for industry, they do tend to take it pretty seriously. 
But then if you look at where the food division is within FDA and within the government, right now has kind of a decentralized leadership style. So there's the two top officials are in an open power struggle. And that sort of sets up, I think, even more difficulty for the agency. So it's already difficult. It's already sort of an uphill battle to move these things forward. And then when you look at the leadership and structural and cultural challenges within the food division, you start to understand some of the contributing reasons why these things have taken so long. Is the issue that you mentioned of the structural problems within the agency, is that something new? Is it something that a previous administration or the Biden administration has tried to to address? So there was a reorganization done during the Trump administration. And I think there is some debate, you know, within FDA world about what the best leadership structure is for FDA. So, you know, there's some people who think that the reorganization during that time made sense. It was done to make it maybe less bureaucratic and allow the commissioner to have more of a direct line into the various centers. So we have like the food center and drugs, but we haven't really had like strong leadership at FDA. Califf has been in for about two months now. So there hasn't really been time to sort of take stock of how the agency's organized. And I think it remains to be seen whether or not structure and leadership structure is one of the things that they're going to look at. But I do want to be clear that there is an open power struggle, and that is certainly a challenge. But FDA's challenges are much deeper than that and have been going on much longer than that. So what we talked about here is just a level of dysfunction and bureaucratic disorganization from a government agency that is impacting just about anyone that I can think of in this country. You know, like how serious are the consequences that we're talking about here? And, you know, what are we being exposed to as as a result of the dysfunction at the FDA? I think when you look at produce outbreaks, a lot of uh, food safety experts are asking, you know, why why do these outbreaks keep happening, right? We have a great graphic in the in the story that sort of marches through some of the biggest outbreaks that have happened over the past decade. And when we talk about these statistics, like, you know, a thousand people sickened or 210 people hospitalized and, you know, five people dying, you know, the ripple effects of people being seriously injured or dying from what they're eating are far and wide. I mean, these are real people. In some cases, they're children or the elderly or immunocompromised. So, you know, things like E. coli and salmonella in fresh produce are really serious issues that need tackled. The CDC estimates that 3,000 people die every year from foodborne illness and some 128,000 people are hospitalized. So we're talking about pretty broad public health impact. On the heavy metals issue, we know that exposure to things like lead can have you know lifelong consequences. And so we want to reduce lead exposure however children are exposed to it. And I know a lot of eyes are going to be on FDA too to move more quickly because these are really serious challenges. And I don't think you know, anyone questions that like we live in a country of abundance with like generally a safe food supply, but we can do better than allowing people to continue to, you know, die in foodborne illness outbreaks or be exposed to some of these um, chemicals and heavy metals that are really concerning. Helena Bottomiller Ivich, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to read Helena's full story and four takeaways at politico.com. Also, if you haven't yet, follow Politico Dispatch and leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Carlos Prieto. Thanks for listening.